Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today on the podcast, we have Christina Nicholson. She's a former TV reporter and anchor who has worked in markets from New York City to Miami. She is still telling stories, but instead of doing it in the newscast, she's helping other businesses grow and she's teaching them how to become media mavens. In today's episode, we're talking about how to get more media, how to get started, how to be comfortable in front of a camera, what your pitch should be like, and how to reach more anchors and reporters online without being buried in email. It's a good episode and it's a solo one because Emily had a sick kiddo. So it's just me today. Hope you enjoy. Hi, Christina. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Abigail. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to help people get some PR and get some recognition out in the real world. And I know a lot of people are intimidated by getting press and they're not really sure where to start. So I know you have some experience in TV and actually anchoring news and all sorts of stuff. So tell me a little bit about your background and how you kind of got into PR. Yeah. And it's funny because I actually have no PR experience when I went into PR. My experience was on the other side of things. So I was a TV reporter and anchor for about 10 years. And I left that business full time. I still do appear as a TV host on local and national TV, but I do that more on a freelance basis now. But I left doing it full time after my second son, my second child was born, my son, just because I needed a more flexible schedule. And Local TV news is like the least flexible job you could have. <laughs> so gotta I be there every time. day. I'm assuming kind of long hours. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was like some days it would be I have to be there at two in the morning because the news would start at five in the morning. So I had to get up early. Or, you know, if breaking news happens on Christmas Day, you gotta go. Or when a hurricane comes, you know, I live in South Florida. So if a hurricane comes, I gotta stand in it for 12 hours. And it was just, it's just a very tough schedule to have when you don't have any family nearby. And my husband also works full time and he's in the golf business. 
So he works weekends and early mornings. So I just needed something a little bit more flexible. And that's when I left TV and got into PR. Well, tell us a little bit about if someone is wanting to get some presence out in the world, how would they even decide what media coverage would be a fit for them in their business? Yeah. Well, first, before you even get to that point, I want to bust a myth because I know I'm familiar with your audience. And so I know a lot of people in your audience are probably thinking they're not ready for it. And that is a big objection that I get from people right off the bat. And the fact of the matter is, is that if you're ready for more business or if you're ready for somebody to buy your product or invest in your service, then you're ready for media exposure because people can't do business with you if they don't know about you. So they need to know about you. You don't need to be a big brand, already making money, already well-established. So when it comes to where to get it, it's where is your audience? What are they watching? What are they reading? What are they listening to? And that's what you really want to hone in on because that's who you want to get in front of. You don't want to just earn media exposure for the sake of earning it. You want to get in front of the right person, the right people, because you want to turn that publicity into profit. Mm -hmm. Well, I think my thing that I would probably be most intimidated by is is just doing it, like the act of being involved and having it out in the real world. And I know I've been... I've had plenty of online stuff, but the idea of like having my face on local news like would intimidate me way more than someone writing an article about me in, say, the New York Times, which that seems ridiculous because the local news is not going nearly as far, but there's something about having your face out there that's different than writing. And so for people who are a little camera shy, what can you suggest for them? Okay. Great question. I love this question because my background is in TV. I wasn't a print journalist. I was an on-air journalist. So a couple of things. One, you, Abby, right now by saying that you in your mind, you're making it a bigger deal than it really is. And you're just thinking, you're thinking too much into it and you're reading too much into like the cameras and the set and all of that. And it can be, it can be intimidating. I understand like if you're not used to seeing that every day, but the truth of the matter is is that it really is just having a conversation. And I mean, it's like you and me right now, we're just having a conversation. You don't need to worry about memorizing anything or memorizing a script or any of that. It's just having a conversation. And when you kind of change the way you look at it, it'll make you feel a little bit better. And then obviously, it's really just practice makes perfect. Like the more you do it, the easier it gets. And you also have to remind yourself, like TV, it is different than a lot of the other platforms. TV, for some reason, even though, like you said, you are reaching less people with local TV than you are maybe a big national print or online outlet, TV holds a different kind of credibility. I think it's because it's a lot harder to get on TV. You know, we can put a million things online. TV, you have certain times. Like you book a segment, you get two minutes and 40 seconds, and that's it. And then we're on to the next. And because it is a little harder for that reason, because of the time constraints and they have different shows at different times. It just holds more credibility and you're seen more as an authority. When you see somebody in a print article or in an online article, it just holds a different weight to when you see a clip of them, a two-minute clip of them on TV. So that's why it is it is an important medium. It's not something that you should ignore because you are camera shy. It is a fear that you need to face because again, once you do it a couple of times, you do feel more at ease with it. And 
you are making it a bigger deal in your mind. So it is just something that you have to just like push through and try to get because it is definitely worthy for your business. So I think like starting out, I feel like the idea of jumping into it can feel like a waste of time because you're not sure if you're going to get it and you need the money, you need the clients, you need the income rolling it. And so how would you suggest for a business owner that's not necessarily just getting started, but still having to like hustle for every dollar to like find the balance and find the time? And what would be the first step to start reaching out to news outlets? Okay. I love this question. Well, first we already talked about your goal. Like, where do you want to be? Where's your audience? What are they watching? What are they reading? What are we listening to? And so that determines who you are going to pitch. So if you are a local business and you only work with people in your immediate area, like for example, I'm in South Florida, I'm in the West Palm beach market. So if I have a local business and I only work with people in South Florida, then local media is going to be great for me. But me personally, I work with small business owners all over the country. So a podcast is great because you can listen all over the country or even all over the world, really. So it really just depends on who you want to reach. That will tell you how to reach them. And then based on how you reach them, you just pitch your expertise or you pitch your newsworthy story idea. And it's going to be different for the platforms. So for example, you and I, we're speaking to help small business owners, to give them strategies so they can, after they listen to this podcast, they can walk away and do something because that is the audience listening. If I'm going to do something on local morning TV, which I just did something on the local NBC station a few weeks ago, and it was local business owners who have products that would make great Christmas presents. So on this podcast, that would not work because why would most people listening to this podcast really care about West Palm Beach business owners that have great Christmas gifts as products? They want it. So that's going to be a more local TV. So that really determines what your pitch is going to be. A local TV pitch is going to be very hyper local focused and you don't want it to be all about you because again, this is something that I think it's the number one mistake people make. When I was a reporter in TV and I was getting pitched by hundreds of publicists a day and hundreds of business owners a day looking for that coverage, it was all about them and it was so overly promotional. So right now, I'm not telling you all about me and why I'm amazing. I'm trying to share expertise and value for your audience. When I was on local TV, I wasn't talking about me. I was talking about other business owners because that's what their audience wanted to see. That's what they wanted to listen to. That's what they wanted to learn. And a a big mistake people make is they try to put the cart before the horse. And yes, obviously the end goal, the long-term goal down the line is to build your business, but you can't do that right out of the gate. You have to get known, liked, and trusted. And when you are pitching the media, it's your goal to get known, liked, and trusted by helping them do their job, by helping their audience. So how would you even go about finding out who to pitch? Like, I think it can be intimidating knowing, you know, for sure, there's definitely like anchors on like the local news station that I'm aware of. But do you even pitch an anchor? Like, who is the right contact? Like, I know nothing. No, that's a great question. Because sometimes 
It depends. Like if we're talking about TV, you can pitch an anchor because anchors are somewhat involved in putting together their show. You can pitch a reporter because it's a reporter's job to come in with story ideas. There's also producers who put together the show. There's people who it's just their job to book guests. Those are bookers. So you'll usually find those in bigger markets, not like super small cities. But every outlet, whether it be print or online or TV or even radio, they all have something called an assignment desk. And that's basically just like where all of the emails go. And a lot of it is a lot of it is overlooked just because they do get hundreds and hundreds of emails a day. So it is beneficial to get more specific by reaching out to a reporter and saying something specific about what they covered recently or reaching out to a specific writer to talk about something that they covered recently. But Twitter is actually a great secret weapon. Everybody thinks that they need to have relationships, which just like in any business, it obviously helps to have relationships to get ahead. But you don't need to have relationships. I mean, I've gotten clients on the Today Show and the Rachel Ray Show, like the biggest outlets without having a relationship. I just had a good story. So if you don't have relationships, don't worry. Twitter is great because most journalists are on Twitter. It's just like the platform for journalists. So do a quick search, search keywords, you know, if it's Forbes or if it's your local TV station. I mean, you said, you know, some of the the anchors in your area, they're probably on Twitter. So reach out, follow them, start tweeting with them. And then you could even ask them, you know, what their email address is because you have a great pitch you want to send them or you have an idea for a segment on the news. And then, you know, you can always just default to the outlet's contact section. Sometimes they keep it generic with just the assignment desk email, but sometimes they get really specific and they will list out the name and email address of every single journalist working at the outlet. And the same thing with podcasts, you know, like this one, I have a podcast, you have a podcast. We make it pretty easy on our websites to contact us and to send an email. So you really just have to look online, use that handy piece of software called Google and <laughs> and get on Twitter. I think Twitter is a great place to build relationships because then when you do send an email off of Twitter, you can tell the person, hey, I just sent an email to you, keep a lookout. And then your name does stand out in the inbox because you already kind of started that relationship on Twitter. I haven't used Twitter in maybe, maybe a decade. <laughs> <laughs> when it li- first came out a decade ago. <laughs> Seriously, I had an account. I never figured out how to use it. I'm intimidated by it. I don't know why. I'm not a 140 character kind of person, but I get it. I have heard that and I and I do think you're right. I don't know why so many journalists hang out on that platform, but it's been interesting to hear that a lot of people have made connections that way. I know for other pieces, Instagram can be really interesting if you're like going less traditional, like podcast hosts and stuff like that. But you just never know. I I know eventually, if at least for us, I'd always want it to end up in our email inbox. Like the other ways might be an initial contact, but I need it in writing in my inbox. I'm going to lose it. So I do too. I do too. (laughs) And I have a lot of, for me, I think my biggest, I think like everybody has their platform, right? Where it's like, that's where a lot of your lead generation is. For me, it's either Instagram or LinkedIn. And whenever a conversation kind of starts and it could lead to something, I always say, okay, great, send me an email. So I know I'm expecting it. And in the email, they'll say, hey, coming from Instagram or coming from LinkedIn. So I am with you there, but I know to look for it. And I know it's coming. It's not like all of the other stuff that just kind of shows up there that looks like spam. 
Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Now, if say you do land an opportunity to be on some sort of media outlet. How do you make the most of your segment or your article so that it's, you know, shining you in the right light, but also potentially sending you business? Okay. This is like the best question ever. And let me tell you why, because most people, they think that once they get the segment, like they've made it and everybody saw it and they're going to be like instantly famous and their business is going to blow up. And actually, right. Actually, what happens 
is when you do PR on your PR, that is the long-term growth that you're going to see. I wrote for Inc. Magazine as a contributor for like a year and a half. And I don't think I ever got anybody who turned into a customer or a client directly from an article I wrote on Inc. How it happened was I wrote an article for Inc. and I shared it on my LinkedIn, my Twitter, my Facebook. I shared it everywhere and I shared it multiple times. I tagged the people that I wrote about in Inc. If I interviewed somebody, I tagged them when I shared it. And then I also tagged the platform Inc. So I have these other influencers in the article who are sharing it. I have the platform itself sharing it. And every time I share it, they get a notification because they're tagged. And that just makes the media last longer. The biggest mistake people make is they earn it and they do nothing with it. When you earn it, you have to share it. And you don't just share it once. You share it multiple times because remember, social media is a moving feed. So if I take a day off, I'm going to miss what you shared yesterday. So you have to constantly share it over and over again. And then you got to add it to your website. Like You should be constantly building your media page or your press page and take those logos and put them on the homepage of your website. Because if I'm debating between going with Say I want to hire Emily for something, and then I want to hire Abigail, and I look at Abigail's website, and Abigail has all of these logos on her site. Well, that sets her apart. I think she's credible. I think she's an authority. I'm going to hire her over somebody else because she has all of that media exposure. So you really have to do PR on your PR to get the publicity from Mm -hmm. it or get the profit from the publicity, I should say. How long would you use an article for or a piece of media? Like how long would you keep reiterating it? I honestly do it like forever. Like I said, it evergreen. If it is something that's timely, like there were some articles that I wrote for Inc. I'll use that example again that say, you know, like build a better social media strategy in 2018. I'm not going to share that in 2019. If there's something, I recently did a, a podcast episode on my podcast and it was holiday marketing ideas. I'll share that every year, but only in November and December. Right. Right. So, I mean, if it's relevant, keep on sharing it because I have people still like, like today I'm getting new followers on my social media who didn't know who I was before yesterday. So an article that I wrote three or four years ago or a podcast interview I did, they may still be interested in it. So I'm constantly sharing that stuff if it's still relevant. Dude, as much as much content as I create personally on the blog and with podcasts and even like stuff that has been written about us. You would be shocked how little we reuse things. I don't, I don't know why that's just a culture of, oh, it just happened once and you get credit one time. But I think you're so right in that we need to be like really taking those as an opportunity to continue to push us forward. And I think you're also right in that you might get a blip on the radar, but it's not necessarily that those people are going to immediately turn into customers. Like they might start following you and then you have to nurture them for another six months and then they do something. And I, I mean, I, I know that we have had students that have gotten on large media outlets like Good Morning America or the Today Show or whatever. And their sales will skyrocket for like two weeks. And then I know one girl who ended up closing her shop like a year later because nothing. And that's sad to me because I think there's so much opportunity there. And your product or service doesn't have to be something that that dies or dwindles. 
you can just keep growing. And I, I'm curious, when do you try new types of media? Like, do you tend to say, like, focus on, I'm going to do podcasts for the next six months, and that's what I'm going to think about? Or are you constantly changing up what type of media you're using? I think you have to look at what works and what doesn't work. I think a mistake people make, and I'm guilty of it too, is trying to be everywhere all the time because that doesn't work. I read the book Essentialism, and there's also another one called The One Thing, kind of similar idea. But I like that you said that you tried Twitter and you haven't been on it for 10 10 years. And I think that's cool because it didn't work for you. And it's okay because like you have a very successful business and you're not on Twitter. Like people think they need to be everywhere all the time. And you're proof that you don't need to be because of the comment that you made about Twitter. So if it's not working, don't do it. I mean, you can tweet at me all day long, but I won't see it. So (laughs) (laughs) for example, for me, podcasts, I have seen a bigger and a better ROI when it comes to, and I'm not talking ROI as terms of dollars always, but ROI in terms of building my email list or building my social media following when I am a guest on podcasts. So I I have made it a point to pitch myself to be on more podcasts. And then I started my own podcast. I was like, well, why don't I just, you know, if, if, if being a guest works and I should start my own, obviously, and just, you know, talk about the same things that I'm, that I'm talking about when I'm a guest and bring other great guests on. So I'm doubling down on podcasts. And I've stopped contributing to a lot of these outlets that I used to contribute to, like HuffPost, Inc. Magazine, Fast Company, because I still have that credibility and authority for writing for them. I'm still sharing those articles, but I'm spending more time on what's working. So if you don't know what works yet, then yes, try a little bit of everything and you have to give it time. You know, like people, you know, you talk about this. People will try something for a couple of weeks and say, oh, that didn't work. I didn't make $10,000. So on to the next. Like, I think you should give any kind of marketing strategy at least six months. I think you should try it for at least three to six months to see if it works and then double down on what is working and then stop doing what's not. Yeah. I think it's interesting you say that because I have, I feel like I have a tendency to, take certain parts of those sort of things really seriously and other parts like lackadaisical. And so for example, I have multiple companies, Think Creative Collective being the bigger, like it's bringing home the bread and the butter, right? But I do have another business and I spend so much time growing my personal Instagram. And yet you would have no idea because I have like, a tenth of the followers, but it's those beginning baby stages that it's like setting you up for the long term where you're not necessarily getting paid, you know, a ton uh, on the front end, but the long term gain is worth it. And I know for me, I, I spent a lot of time on the front end working on Instagram for Think Creative Collective. And it was like, okay, well, if I'm going to build a personal brand, I know I have to do it all over again, but sometimes it can feel like, you're wasting your time, but you almost have to fall in love with the, like the process of it. So I know like the idea of constantly pitching sounds intimidating to me, but it's probably because I haven't figured out a way to love the process. Whereas Instagram, I'm not necessarily getting paid a ton to be on there as much as I am, but 
I fell in love with the process. So now I just love being on Instagram and I love sharing my message on stories and posting like thoughtful, like inspirational quotes and not quotes, but like paragraphs and words and things. Anyway, I love it. I think that'd be the key for me anyway, is like, how can I fall in love with the idea of like going after the pitch and all of that? And I don't know, like how, how, how did you fall in love with media and how did you fall in love with like finding the right story? Before I answer that question, can you tell me what your personal Instagram is? Because now I really want to follow. Let's plug your Instagram right now on your podcast. (laughs) What's the personal Instagram? It's Abigail says. So A-B-A-G-A-I-L says, because I spell my name weird, whatever. Emily and I both have weird names. So I know you guys both spell it differently. I like our moms. It's not our fault. (laughs) That's true. It's never your fault. Okay. I'm going to find it and I'm going to follow. And how do you fall in love with the process? Okay. First of all, I love that you said that because so many people, they put so much pressure on themselves and then they get all stressed out and they work 24 seven. And I did that too when I started my business. And then I was like, well, Jesus, if I wanted to feel like this, I should have just like kept my job. Yeah. Because what's the point of working for yourself if you're going to drive yourself nuts? So for me, media, it was more so like being not just being in front of the camera because I like doing my own shooting and editing. I'm getting into YouTube more just because I like the shooting and the editing part of it all. So for me, it was like the whole industry in general. And the entire reason I went into PR was just because I was pitched by so many publicists who were just terrible. Like they had no idea what it was like to work in a newsroom and put the news together. And it's like, these people have no clue. I can do their job so much better because I delete everything they send me. So I'll just send something that I want it delete. And that's like, that's really how I started my business. And that's how it's grown. So it's not necessarily something that like I love and I'm passionate about. It's more something that I'm good at because I mean, obviously you shouldn't do something that you hate, but at the end of the day, people don't pay you for what you're passionate about. People pay you for what you're good at. So you got to be good at it. That's true. So I think for you to enjoy the pitching process, I think you just need to figure out how you can pitch yourself to where you can offer value. I mean, Clearly, you're a talker. You like to talk and you create a lot of content. So you have a lot of value to share, I think. And because of who your audience is, I think podcasting would be a great route for you to go. Be a guest on a bunch of people's podcasts. I would love to have you on my podcast very soon. You and Emily, come on over. But I think that would be good for you because that's that's where your audience is at and that's what they're listening to. And you guys have so you you both have so much expertise mm-hmm. and you're putting it out there. It's just a matter of making it timely. I think it's kind of tricky with podcasts because sometimes like you record something and it doesn't go live for 3 months later, so that's something you kind of have to work out when you pitch. But the timeliness factor when you're pitching, that's what's going to give somebody a reason to say yes right now. So, you know, like if you have a product and you're doing the holiday gift guides, Obviously, you want to be starting those in September, October, November, even in December. You want it to be timely. That may help you enjoy the process because like, this is a great time to talk about this. So let's do this now. Or even looking ahead, you know, like looking ahead to Mother's Day, working moms who have their own business, what to get, you know, a working mom for Mother's Day or whatever. Like that's something that's going to be timely in May. So we can look ahead and pitch that angle and you just want to make it fun. Right. So like, however you can make it fun for yourself, whatever you enjoy doing mixed with what you're good at, that's how you make it fun. And you just have to really niche down. 
And I know like the Today Show isn't niche at all, (laughs) but it's huge and it's impressive. So that's important. But I had a client, there was two guys making zero money in their business. They were actually losing money in their business because they created a fitness app, got them on the Today Show, great, huge exposure in front of millions, but then got them in runner's world which is an outlet just for runners. So obviously everybody reading Runner's World is interested in running. People in the Today Show, they may freaking hate running. So they may not care when they see it. So in Runner's World, it's more niche. They saw a bigger ROI, even though they were reaching fewer people, it was more niche. So even going niche could help you enjoy the process more because you're talking to your people and you're in your element and you're around you know, everybody who, who lives and breathes the same thing you do. So however you can do it to make it enjoyable, do it because you don't want to do it if you don't like it. And if you really don't like it, but you know, you need to do it, then you just pay somebody to do it at that point. (laughs) For sure. No. And I think a great example, just to kind of give you guys some, I don't know, comic relief, knowing that Emily and I don't have it all figured out. We have done both. We have done super niche stuff and we have done things that I cannot believe we did because it was a giant waste of my time. So for example, we have talked at a bunch of different conferences. A lot of them have been with other small business owners and have been really helpful to get, you know, new people that are like, I mean, practically ready to just buy from us by the end of the conference. Like they're just pumped. They're excited. We're not necessarily pitching a product or service at the conference, but they walk away like, in love, ready to go. Well, we got pitched back in the day when Emily still lived in Tulsa, we got pitched to speak to the local, like, oh, what was it? It was like, it was like basically a giant group of real estate agents. And that's not our people. Like, And our presentation was awesome. We were, I mean, her dad's a real estate agent. So it like kind of made sense. And we both know enough to talk about social media and how you could leverage it. We had a bunch of people who left interested, but they were not, they were so far away from our ideal client that the people that did buy ended up being the people that we resented buying because they had a million questions and they weren't the right fit. And the people who didn't buy were like, why did we even bother going? Because we spent hours preparing a presentation, you know, 45 minutes speaking. And I think it just goes to show that Sure, you. I mean, who wouldn't take an opportunity to get and speak in front of 200 people? But if it's the wrong opportunity, you're not going to see the reward later and it might not be worth your time. Exactly. And that's why like at the very beginning of the podcast, we started with the goal. Like, where is your audience? What are they listening to? What are they reading? Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Well, I am sure people are going to be excited and ready. I know every time we hear from someone in public relations, I'm like, oh, we need to get back to actually trying to figure that out. It's just so it's just so easy to get distracted and start running your business on a day to day that it kind of goes to the background. So if people are like ready to kick the ground running and like, you know, get out there again, and whether it's just starting out, or maybe they just haven't paid attention a while, what are three to five action steps people can take in the next week to like get a pitch ready to go? Okay. Well, I think the first one, and I'm going to direct this towards you, Abigail, is to use your past media hits, your past podcast interviews, your past content, and reshare it. 
You may have shared it once. And I know like in your mind, you're thinking, oh, I already shared this. Trust me, most people didn't see it because we have social media feeds constantly moving. We have algorithms constantly changing. We have people not signing on for a day or two. So put it in the social media queue to constantly share it and tag people who are involved in it. So when they see the tag, they share it as well. So that's my first tip that people can actually start doing today. The second tip is to start local. So even if you are working with people nationally, you're more newsworthy where you are locally anyway. So like I would get coverage in South Florida for what I do, even though I work with people everywhere. So start locally and look at your local newspaper and your local TV stations. The only reason I don't say local magazines is because a lot of people, a lot of these magazines are moving into pay to play platforms and a lot of it is advertising. And remember, we're trying to earn this coverage and not spend any money on it because People ignore ads today more than they ever have, and they want the actual content. So we want to get you in the actual content without spending money. So pick up some newspapers and watch some morning TV. And I say morning TV and weekend TV because that's when they bring in the guests, morning and afternoon, and then on the weekend mornings and afternoons. And get to know who's writing for the newspaper and get to know what kind of segments they're doing because that's going to give you ideas for hits. You don't want to pitch people blindly. You want to be educated, right? So like before I sent you an email like, "Hey, I want to get on your podcast. I want to have you on mine." Like I knew who you were and I listened to your podcast and I followed you on Instagram. Not you personally. I do that now. But the Think Creative Collective. But Abigail says everybody should be following that <laughs> one on Instagram. So you just want to know who you're pitching before you pitch them. So just do your homework on that. So that would be tip number 2. Tip number 3 is for the love of God, stop thinking about promoting yourself. Mm -hmm. I know you want to send an email and you want to talk about how great you are and how they should do a profile on you and this and that. But let me tell you, unless you are Mark Zuckerberg, you are not going to get a profile piece. You're only going to be quoted and you're only going to be brought in as an expert in your industry. And then you get that enough. And then pretty soon you can get that profile if you do that enough. So start thinking about how you can lend your expertise to these people that you're watching on TV and to these, these writers who are writing for certain topics in the newspaper, how can you add value? Make sure that value is timely. Give them a reason to do that now. And then make sure it's newsworthy, which it has nothing to do with you. It's all about their audience and their people that are consuming their content. So that would be my third tip. And then my fourth tip, honestly, is just to freaking do it. Like everybody makes excuses on why they're not ready. And well, my website's not up yet, or I'm doing this, or I have to do this first. Like so many people make so many excuses on why they're not ready when really you just need to do it. Like if you're ready for a new customer or you're ready for a client, if you're ready for new business today, then you're ready for people to know about you. So you just have to freaking do it. Stop making excuses. Oh, it's so true, guys. That I mean, one more example of not being ready, but doing it anyway. Like I talk and teach about health and wellness, but I have a lot of self-work to do too. And so like, I think that's just one example of some people think you have to do things for years or months or whatever. Get your 10,000 hours before you can go out there and share your wisdom. But you started this business for a reason. So thank you so much, Christina, for being on. Please, I know people are going to want to go listen to your podcast and hang out more with you online. So where can they do that? Yes. Okay. So my podcast is called Become a Media Maven. You will be on it and you will be sharing the episode 
just like you learned today. Everybody who's on any podcast, you should share the episode, obviously. And then you can visit my website. I'm at mediamavenandmore.com. And then if you do, I do have a free three-day media class that your listeners can go through. Day one, you learn how to pitch the media. Day two, you get the publicity. Day three, you turn that publicity into profit. And they can access that at mediamavenandmore.com slash publicity. And then I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Christina all day. Awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Or me, I suppose. (laughs) I know. I got special treatment today. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy-to-customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics, we make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.